There's lots of people in the world, lots of preachers, and I've even served with some of them. They will spout and scream and yell and all of that sort of thing. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. And they'll say that over and over and over again. But you know what? They hardly ever use the Bible in any way. Does that make any sense to you? Do you realize that this is the recipe book for us? And what are we making? We're making us. Now, some of you know that I, I, I bake, right? You know that I bake. I make pies especially, but I make other things. I've got other things that I make besides pies. Don't think that's the only thing. I use a recipe book. I know that some of you out there are the kind of people that can take a smidgen of this and a pinch of this and whatever of this and throw it in there and you can make your stuff. I am not that person. I have to follow the recipe. And when I look at this scripture that we've got here, I realize God is using a recipe in order to make us the people that he wants us to be. Do you realize that? Now, I'm not going to tell you that God does everything to everybody in exactly the same way because every one of you is absolutely unique. I got that. But what I'm saying is, is that the principles that are here, the characteristics that are here are the same for all of us. So let's look in the scriptures in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10 and see this. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, I believe that this scripture right here was primarily written to Jews. Why is that? Because he quotes out of Hosea. When you quote out of a book, you'd expect that the people would know what book you're quoting out of, and the Gentiles wouldn't have known that. This is quoted out of Hosea. And what he was talking about here is that Hosea had married a woman named Gomer, And she was very unfaithful to him. And in this process, we have Hosea naming the children that, that would represent Israel and the names that he would give Israel at the time and then beyond this. It says in Hosea 1 verse 9. And the Lord said, call his name, not this, 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 this child said, call his name, not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel Israel, shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured and numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. This is where we become God's people in this, or the Jewish people did. And so in Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, it says, And I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. You see, this is a quote right out of Hosea, the scripture that we find in 1 Peter here. And so here he is speaking of Israel. And the Jews would have been the ones who were related to this passage. For the Jews were the people that God formed at least first in this process. But let's look at the process of how God does this. First, first and foremost, God chooses his people. Now, see, God sent a calling to a man named Terah. Terah. You might not have ever heard of Terah. I'm going to tell you who he is. Genesis eleven thirty one. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, 
the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Here's what happened. God called Terah. Terah started on the journey. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to do it. This is a nice place. Why don't we stop here? It was one of those kinds of things. And so Terah was supposed to go to Canaan, but he settles in Quran. You see, God sends out his call to people who will not choose to follow him. You don't think that doesn't happen. God sends out his call. He says, you come follow me. I'll go, I'll go a couple. Of, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So God then sent a call to Abram. In Genesis 12, actually the next verse after this, just the next chapter. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and to him who dishonors you I will curse. and And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, God then tells Abram, I'm going to tell you what, I want you to do what I'm telling you to do. I want you, to, I'm choosing you to be a person that does exactly where I'm, 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 what I'm telling you to do. I'm choosing you on this. And Abram leaves, he leaves not knowing where he's going. Understand that. And not knowing how long it's going to take to get there either. He doesn't know how long it's going to take. He doesn't know where he's going at the same time. But he does know this. He knows that there will be blessings for his obedience. He knows that he will become a great nation. He knows that he will be blessed and those who bless him shall be blessed. He knows his name is going to be great and even his progeny will be blessed and he is going to bless all the people of the earth. Pretty big stuff there, right? So Abram accepts the call. In verse 4, so Abram went... As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he departed for Haran. So what we see here is not everyone who has sent a call will respond. Not everyone will. But you cannot be a part of the people of God without a response to God's call. See, God is waiting for some of you to answer his call. In every service we have, we've had people that they have walked down an aisle. And I mean, that's kind of the Baptist way. Walked down an aisle, repeated a prayer so much, and have even been baptized. But in their hearts, they know better. They know they didn't do it. They knew that maybe they did it because they were supposed to do it. They did it because... Mama wanted them to do it. They did it because all their friends were doing it. They, they did it for some reason. And down deep in their heart, they know that they never really made that commitment to Christ. And so here's the situation. God is waiting for some of you to answer his call. But what has happened is, is because you cannot understand this thing called putting your trusting your uh, putting your trust in Jesus Christ. What you think that is, is that means I got to do work. If I do the works, if I do the service, if I do those things in the church, then what's going to happen? I'm going to be saved. But Jesus didn't say that was what's going to happen. 
Jesus was speaking in Matthew 7 when he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Carry out and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never, never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, they are not his people because they haven't responded to his call. They don't understand that it's not about works. I love the story of uh, Paul and Silas in prison. They're in prison, and if you ever go to Israel, you'll find that some of the prisons that they have there, they, what they did was is they took a, you know, an outcropping of rock, and they usually have a hole in the ground they put them in too, but they have this outcropping of the rock, and they carved a, just a hole in the rock. They just dig it out. There's no way to get through it. I mean, they, they put a hole in there about, about that big, and then what they do, they run a chain through that thing, and then they would put the manacles on it, each of your hands, and you're basically like this, and you're in prison now. But there's an earthquake. And guess what happens when there's an earthquake? That stuff breaks apart. And guess what? They're all loose. All of them are loose. All of the guys that were in prison are now loose. And the jailer comes in and sees that they're all loose. He sees that all it is broken down and, and it's all loose. And, and he's about to kill himself because he says, they're going to kill me anyway. I might as well go ahead and get this over with. And they say, stop, 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 stop. Don't do that. They talk to him about Jesus. In Acts chapter 16, it says, and then he, the, 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 uh, the, the jailer, then he brought them and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that a big word? Isn't that big stuff there? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Nothing about works in there, is there? Not a thing about works. Nothing but faith. Nothing but trusting in Jesus. But some have not made that commitment. And let me explain to you. God is still waiting for you. I'm not saying your door is closed. He's still waiting. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. All of us, he wants every one of us with him, but he will not wait forever. Each year, football coaches go out and try to recruit the best high school students, players that they, have, they can find. They, you know, they go visit in the homes of those players. They, they, they bring those players to the college, you know. They sent out the call, but only those who choose to come to the college are the ones that are actually chosen. Do you understand? They're chosen, but they also have to choose on their part. See, only those who respond play for that college. And only those that respond get to wear that jersey. Only those that respond can call themselves by the team mascot. And let me say it to you another way. You can be a Hokie fan, but you have to go to Virginia Tech to be a Hokie. You understand the difference there, right? You can't just simply say, hey, I want to be a fan on the outside. You've got to be one who's committed in this. Then second, third thing, I guess, I don't know what number I'm on. The people of God follow him. 
See, God will continue to make a people called by his name. And he does this. He leads these people out of Egypt. And he gives them a means of following. How did he do this? He said, follow. I want you to do what I want you to do. I want you to go where I want you to go. And I'm going to give you a way to get there. I'm going to give you a means to do that. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. Following God is essential to being called by his name. Now, years ago, I was a runner. I've told you about that before. And I used to get up on Sunday mornings, no joke, get up on Sunday mornings. There was a bunch of men, and we'd run four miles before church. And, we, and I had this guy named Wally. Wally was one of the guys that was in this. And I'd go out there, and I'd run with Wally. I mean, Wally, I mean, but I'd bury Wally. I mean, I was a runner. I mean, I could, I could just run like crazy around, the, you know, the, uh, uh, that four miles. And, I mean, I'd get back and, you know, go get a shower and, and, and go preach a couple of times. You know what I'm saying? It's no big deal to me. So my doctor says, you cannot run anymore. Your knees, your ankles aren't taking it anymore. You've got to get a bicycle. So I got a bicycle. Okay? So I started riding this bicycle. And so Wally said, you know, and I got a road bike. You have to understand, a road bike is the one that has tires about that 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 wide you understand wally had a mountain bike they have tires about that wide and i want you to know a road bike is tremendously faster on the road than a mountain bike i mean there's no comparison with the two i have a road bike wally has a mountain bike but wally rides in competitions with his mountain bike so I get out there and I say, Wally, you won't be able to keep up with me. You know why? Because I can run circles around this guy. He says, okay, I'll try. He buried me. I mean, he, I could not keep up with him. I could not. I was saying, Wally, I can't see where you're going, you know, because he's gone by this time. I mean, he's really this deal. And you know what? I was not a cyclist yet. I was still a runner. Wally was a cyclist. See, what happens to us when we start following God, it's not about us following him for these little bitty steps, you know, here and here. It's about following God. It, you follow God until you are a follower of God. Do you see the difference there? Not just these little bitty deals, but you are following till you become a follower of God. Now, the other side of it, I'm no longer a runner. You understand? I ride my bicycle, ride my bicycle, ride my bicycle. I'm a bicyclist now. I'm a cyclist. How do I know this? My four-year-old granddaughter beat me in a race this weekend. I'm going to tell you that. So I'm letting you know what happens there. That's what happens to you. But you see, there's a difference there. You want to be a follower of God? You follow God. Then the people of God trust in Him. People of God trust in God. See, when God is... Forming his people, he fed them with manna for the day. Why? Because he wanted them to trust in him. And what did they do? They wanted to trust in their past more than they did in their future. 
This is what, and, and God says, no, you've got to trust in me, and that's going into your future. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 2, it says, And the whole congregation of, uh, of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. I mean, that's a joke, isn't it? Do you think God has to pick the place he's going to... If he wanted to get rid of you, he could pick any place he wanted to. It doesn't matter at all. The second thing about this is they were looking back and said, we had meat pots. They were remembering things better than they were. They were saying, oh, we, were, we, were just, we just had so much stuff. We were just getting fat and happy and everything was going wonderful. And now we've come out here and we have to, we have to you know, trust in God. We don't want to trust in God. And so God uses their need, their hunger, to trust in him. And God will use your need to get him to trust in you. So God gives them manna, but man, this manna has parameters on it. So he says in Exodus 16, 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven to you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So what they say, you go get a day's portion. You get as much as you want, but you make sure that you eat it on that day. And if you don't eat it on that day, you know, it's not going to be any good. So what do the people do? What do you think they're going to do when, they, when God says, just do this? There's going to be plenty out there. Just do it. So what happens? So Moses told him, don't leave it for the day. And then in Exodus 16, 20, it says, But they did not listen to Moses, but left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was, was angry with them. Why do you think Moses got angry? He said, you want to, God wants you to trust him. God wants you to trust him. So God tells them, and then what I want you to do is I want you to gather twice as much on the sixth day so that on the Sabbath you will have plenty on that day and it'll be okay. But what do you think they did? Exodus sixteen twenty-seven. And on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. I mean, why couldn't they just have trusted in God? I, I tell you, people talk a good game about trusting in God. But they don't trust in God. Most, many of them don't. I mean, I'm not, this is not what this sermon's about, but I'm just using this as an illustration. So, a lot of people don't tithe. They don't tithe because they can't trust God to provide. They think if I give it to God, I won't have it for myself. But they're like those people that God was seeking to make a people in the wilderness. They just couldn't believe that God would provide when they needed it. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. This is the only place in the scripture that I know of that God says, You put me to the test. I want you to put me to test on this. And I don't understand why can't we trust in God when we obey him? Because that's what, be, what the tithing is. It's just obedience. Okay. And then what we do is 
We turn around and say we want to trust in him for a job or turn uh, or trust in him for a mend a broken relationship or anything else in prayer when we haven't trusted him when he's given us the opportunity to trust him. So I will tell you right up, right up front, when you trust God, he will test you. Hear that from me. He will test you. He will make it look like it won't happen. And you'll have to trust in him. Abraham obeyed God when it looked like he would never have a child. He's a hundred years old. Come on, you're not going to have a, a kid now, are you? You see, it looked impossible, but he trusted in God. The people left Egypt and were confronted with a sea in front of them that they couldn't cross and an army behind them that was ready to kill them. Does it look like they're going to get to the promised land? Not a chance in the world. But God had tested them. And when the disciples saw Jesus hanging on the cross, and when they saw him die, do you understand? Do you think that they thought, I guess he wasn't the Messiah either? Uh, You see, God puts us to the test. Trusting God will always be stepping out in faith at his word without seeing his provision in advance. It's always the case for us. And God, this is how God makes us into his people. It's how God makes us into his people. Next, the people of God are disciplined by him. Discipline. Revelation three nineteen says, Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Love is the characteristic that God causes him to make us into his people. You know, but God doesn't wait for our obedience in order to love us. Don't think it's like that. And he says, oh, I want some obedient people now. I'll love them. That's not the way it works. God loves us and seeks our obedience to bless us. Understand that. This word, reprove, that's in this uh, revelation, it means to show someone his sin and summon him to repentance. You see, a lot of people think, well, what God does in his discipline, he just wants us to whack us so that we won't do it anymore. Do you understand? In other words, it's sort of like getting a speeding ticket. You know, you get a speeding ticket, you probably won't speed anymore. Does that work, by the way, folks? No, I don't think so. It doesn't really work. But that's not the meaning here anyway. That's not what the meaning is here. You see, what he's talking about is here is that when he reproves them, that is to show them their sin and summon them to repentance. It is showing them the gravity of their sin, the gravity of the sin, and they become convicted of it. I've heard so many people talk to me about, I've been broken by God. What they really mean is, is I've gone through a tough time. That is not what brokenness is. You see, God, brokenness rather comes when we are overcome by our own sins. We're more than sorry. We're deeply ashamed. When David is confronted by the prophet Nathan, after David has, you know, he's uh, sinned against Uriah as he sinned with Bathsheba. He took what belonged to somebody else. He killed that other man to cover it up. And he thought that he could make amends without repentance. You see, that's the, the three things that I think are big there. And he thought nothing of Uriah. So Nathan tells a story of someone who has been abused by someone who is rich and has taken advantage of that that man. And David gets so incensed as Nathan tells the story. And he says, that man shall shall repay for this. 
And David and Nathan says, you are the man. You are that man. And David is broken by this statement because he now sees his sin as an evil that he cannot ignore. God has broken him. And he writes Psalm 51. Psalm 51, 8 says, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. See, God's discipline isn't because just to make us better. God's discipline makes us seek to restore that relationship with him. And that relationship is one of rejoicing. It's not just so, now I can come into his presence again. It's not just that. God is inviting us to a party with him. And he said, you can't come to the party like you are. You repent. You are broken. Then you're coming to the party. That's the story of the prodigal. When we tell the story of the prodigal son, we tell the story about him going off and feeding the pigs and all of that kind of stuff. We tell about him coming back. We talk about the, the father coming and grabbing him and, you know, and giving him the ring and the sandals and the robe. And we do all of that. And we forget the story of the fatted calf and the party that went on afterwards. You see, God wants us not to just be in a position where we, we say, well, we're, I'm sorry that I've done it. God wants us to join the party that he has for us. The restoration isn't complete until we get to the party. And then the people of God receive God's blessings. Those who did not follow him, those that did not trust him, those that did not respond to his discipline, they did not receive his blessings. God wants to give us blessings. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 21, it says, But truly, as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to this test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despised me shall see it. This is a hard word, isn't it? This is a hard word here. And I'm sure that here's what the deal is. They were saying, well, the rest of them aren't doing any different from us. Most of these people are doing just what we're doing. It's got to be okay if everybody's doing it. Let's say this. In making a people, God is not concerned with what is normal. He doesn't care what everybody else is doing. He's making a people out of you. I know that there's some of you, and I'm going to use this illustration again. You think that if everybody is driving the same speed and you're speeding, you can't get a speeding ticket. Did you know that's not true? And you know what? And when you say, I was just going along with the crowd. I know this, not from my own experience, but somebody told me this. It said, I was just going along with the crowd, officer. The, the patrolman said, I guess the crowd just got a ticket then, didn't they? He doesn't care that that is the case. You see, you see his glory. And you know his provision. And you are being fashioned as one of his people. But here's the situation I want to know. Do you know the joy yet? It's not about simply saying, I'm okay. It's about knowing the joy now. You see, I ask the question to you simply. Are you being made into one of God's people? You can tell 
when these things happen to you. 